today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show. You may have noticed that last week there was no new episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show, and that was intentional. Last week was dubbed hashtag pause the show. Pause the show was a response to the George Floyd death created by two black executives in the music industry. The point of which was to disrupt the work week, to draw attention to very important topics, and to forego any new releases of entertainment so that all eyes were pointed where all eyes needed to be pointed. And in honor of that, in observance of the long-standing inequality and discrimination that exists from the boardroom to the boulevard, I also paused my show and pulled the episode that was set to release of the Rita Mimi Do It show. Since that time, there have been so many changes, powerful changes, in response to powerful protests. And the change, the movement, it's all very exciting to witness its history in the making. But we can't pause the show forever because there's important information that needs to be distributed. And I thought long and hard about the topics that I could talk about and bring to you that would help you help your business and also help contribute to all of the important change that's going on. And I hope that you find this episode to be helpful. This is the episode that was set to air last week, but it's still just relevant today, and I'm excited to bring it to you. I come to you today from the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Specifically, I am in Occoquan, Virginia, and I am in the Airbnb where I take myself for all of my solo CEO retreats. You heard about this uh, in a couple of episodes, I think back at the end of 2019, when I took you behind the scenes of my end of the year solo CEO retreat, and a few episodes later, maybe even the very next episode, when I interviewed Roger Lynn all about the importance of investing, and he's the owner of the Airbnb. So that's where I am right now because it is time for my mid-year review. I know we're a couple of weeks before the technical mid-year, but I always like to take myself through it early because I then guide you through it so that you're able to do it for yourself. So I knew that this episode was going to be focused on that, that I was going to take you behind the scenes of my mid-year review step-by-step so that you knew what you can do in order to hold your own review. But While I have been here, our world has shifted again in another huge way. George Floyd's death has sparked justified outrage, and the effects are currently being felt right now through protests and other actions worldwide. And it felt a little tone deaf in the middle of all of this stuff that's occurring during a pandemic to come on business as usual and record an episode all about, you know, being the CEO and making more money and having more freedom and experiencing more joy. And so I wasn't even sure if I'd record an episode or release a new episode this week at all. You know, it's not my voice right now that should be heard. I absolutely need to be listening. But staying silent also felt wrong. And so I was sitting and I was messaging a few friends and I was talking about, you know, what could I do? How could I use this space, this episode, this podcast to contribute to what is going on and not detract from what's happening? And that is when my good friend, Paul C. Brunson, showed up in front of me in the nick of time. Um, Many of you know Paul. He was in episodes two and three, and I have re-aired his episodes. He is one of the most uh, demanded 
episodes and guests that I've ever had on a podcast. So you can go back and meet Paul by listening to those episodes. But just know he's incredible. He is the business columnist for USA Today and uh, wears many other hats. But he popped up and was talking all about five things that we can all do to support the movement. And there was one fact, I was listening to this video, I was listening to his live, and there was one fact that just popped out. And I haven't been able to stop thinking about this fact. And it has to do, it has to do with economics. And I'm not going to go into like all the economic terms and how the economy works. And besides, I'm not the one that should really be speaking (laughs) on that in a big way either, if I'm going to be completely honest in college. Um, Mom, if you're listening to this, plug your ears. But in college, I got a D. Uh, I think in both micro and macro (laughs) economics, mainly because I didn't go to the class and I thought that I could just roll in and take an exam. But, you know, I do understand the core concepts of the economy and how it works. But if I was going to go into an episode, and maybe I will, about the economy and economics and how how it really all happens behind the scenes, it's going to be somebody else that I'm bringing on who's a real expert in that. But, you know, this fact that stood out It's about how when a dollar goes into a community, so a dollar, let's say, just goes into a business, it bumps around that community over and over and over again. So if a dollar goes into a white-owned business, that dollar will bounce between white-owned business, white person, back into a white business, to a white person, and stay within the white community for months, if not years sometimes. So Keep that in mind, right? But then when you look at the data for an Asian-owned business, that same thing, a dollar into an Asian-owned business, which bounces to a member of the Asian community and then back into another Asian-owned business, that stays in the Asian community. That dollar stays in the Asian community for 28 days on average, 28 days, so about a month. But when this same thing is happening in a Black-owned business, that dollar stays in the black community for six days. In only six days, that dollar has exited the black community where it's no longer driving economic benefit, creating a positive impact. It has left, it has gone to another community. And I have not been able to stop thinking about that since then. Specifically, the importance of economic power, meaning When money enters a Black-owned business, then that Black-owned business can invest in its own community at an even higher level. So they can hire more Black employees and they can work and contract with more Black vendors and other Black companies, other Black subcontractors, keeping the money in their community longer. So the more money that goes into Black-owned businesses, then the more that they can create the situations and circumstances that allow that dollar to bounce around in their community just as long, if not longer, than other communities, creating a ripple effect of positive change worldwide in the economy and in other areas of the world because of this, meaning more money has to go into Black-owned businesses from everyone. And that includes me, and that includes other businesses, and that includes really, truly everyone. So the reason that I say this and the reason that I bring this up is it ties into how I knew I could support, I could contribute. Because Paul Brunson went on to lead a live panel in the area of economic power, especially in the Black community and in relation to Black-owned businesses and entrepreneurs. And that 
is really when I knew what my contribution is in this space, is showing up and providing all of the information that I do in this podcast, information that I provide to help business owners to become financially independent, to help businesses become profitable. Now, for some, it's because they want more time with their family or they do want more joy or they want more freedom or fulfillment. But universally, it's for generating the dollars that circulate throughout the world that allow for and foster change. So if non-Black-owned businesses generate a higher profit, make more revenue, and invest that back in some way or spend that with Black-owned businesses, then those businesses are also contributing to this meaningful change. And if you are a Black-owned business and you are generating more revenue and profit wherever it's coming from, then you can circulate that money in your community longer by hiring more Black employees and investing yourself in spending money in other Black-owned businesses, which does create the stability and the economic power that is needed for even bigger change. Because here's the big final piece for social power and for political power, which is where change really comes from. The prerequisite for that is economic power. So if you want to affect change on a grand scale that's really deep and you need that political power and you need that social power to do it, economic power has to come first. And so that's where all of us can contribute. That's what we can do to support this movement. And that's exactly what Paul Brunson was talking about in his video and what stood out for me. And that's when I knew the best thing that I could do in this space, in this episode, on this day, is to take you behind the scenes of my mid-year review to tell you what I do to stay on track at any time, at any year, but especially in a year like this where we have had a pandemic, we've had COVID-19, we've had a virus, now we have this, worlds were reopening, communities were reopening, now they're shutting back down again because of upheaval that's happening. But no matter what's going on in the world, keeping your business economically viable because it is going to be what allows the right businesses and the right communities to have the power to affect change, that becomes really important. And so sharing anything that can help your business be profitable, I believe is a contribution that I can make. And so I am today in the episode taking you behind the scenes, telling you what questions I answered in my mid-year review, what it revealed for me, and how you can do the same in your business so that you can create a profitable business that impacts the lives of others. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because of Rita, because of Rita I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. 
So I just finished my mid-year review, and I will say that this episode is paired with wine. (laughs) Don't worry, it has been paired with wine. I have been here for multiple days, so multiple wines have been had, and that's all that you need to know. But, um, and I would like to thank Bottle Stop, which is a restaurant in Occoquan, Virginia, that has supplied (laughs) me with most of my wine. They have some of the best in the area, so if you're ever in Occoquan, I highly suggest checking them out. But, um, okay. I just finished my mid-year review, and it was surprising, but it also wasn't surprising, and I'm going to tell you exactly what that means, but many of you have asked in the past, Rita, how do you lead all of these retreats, your quarterly retreat, your mid-year retreat, like what do you do, how do I start, I don't even know where to begin. So the first thing that I do, and this should not be a surprise if you know me at all, is grab my power sheets. If you don't know what Power Sheets is, you need to learn, and you can probably go back and listen to many, many, many episodes. <laughs> Episode eight, I believe, is where I interviewed Laura Casey, who owns Power Sheets. So this is not the episode to tell you all of the details. I also have tons of free training on Power Sheets in my free community, The All in Entrepreneur, on Facebook. But if you don't know what it is, it is an intentional goal setting planner, and it is the reason that I have met all of my business goals since starting my business. I have doubled my business year over year. And guys, in fact, I am on track to more than double my revenue from last year. And it's because of the PowerSheets intentional goal setting system. I will put my affiliate link also in the comments because they are uh, selling still their six month intentional goal setting planner. So check it out. And I promise you, you won't be sorry. I don't ever advocate for anything unless I use it personally and have experienced true change because of it. And this has been a business changing and life changing product. But that's what I grab. And at the beginning of Power Sheets, because it's not just like a fancy book that you write some goals in and, you know, it records it for you in a fun way. The whole front of the book is a process of really digging deep to uncover what matters most to you so that you set these intentional goals. And one of the sections is to really write out what an ideal year looks like for you, a meaningful, purposeful year. Who is around you? What are you doing? How are you feeling? So the first thing that I do is I go back and I revisit that. What did I write for how I wanted 2020 to be? And then I go and I look at my big picture goals for the year. So my big picture goals, these are some of them, not all of them, but they included things like creating healthy habits or cultivating relationships or deepening my faith or having fun. So I just kind of reminded myself of what those eight categories really were. And then I looked at my specific quarter one goals that I had set. I set about 10 goals each quarter, somewhere between eight and 10. So I went and looked at the specific goals that I set for both quarter one and quarter two that fell underneath those categories. And what I was asking myself is kind of, what did I achieve? What did I not achieve? What phrases, what things popped out at me just for whatever reason? Is it because I was celebrating that I achieved it? Is it because something felt a little chaotic about it? Is it that something was working or something wasn't? So I asked what had been going well, what hadn't been going well, what isn't going well, (laughs) like what is going well, why, right? Why is it going well or not going well? So that I could gather my thoughts that I would need to really then take the lessons that I'm seeing or the threads or the patterns that I'm seeing to apply it to the rest of my review. So that's the first thing that I do. 
And then I head into the money <laughs> because the money is the data that's really going to show me what's been happening in my business. I mean, I will say this over and over again. You know me, I say a lot of things over and over again. But the difference between a business and a hobby is that you are generating profit. Money is not the most important asset in your business, although being profitable is a requirement for having a business. I believe time is actually your most important asset behind you. So if I were to order your top three assets, it's you and then time and then money. But money is a top three asset. And so you have to dive into it. It is the indicator of health in your business. So I go into all of my reports and I look specifically at the amount of revenue that I generated each month. So this is like before any expenses are taken out, before taxes are taken out, how much did I pull into my business month by month? And I write that out. And then I look and say, okay, but where did the money come from? Was it from private coaching? Was it from an intensive? Was it from a group that I ran? Was it like a late payment? I really want to understand not just how much I made each month, but the breakdown of where that money came from. And then I compare that to my marketing and my launch calendar for the year. So I shared that with you at the end of the year retreat that I did in 2019. But for the year, I have basically kind of like a theme or a category for each month. I know each month where my money is coming from, meaning where am I actually getting paid that month? And then what am I marketing that month? So that's not necessarily where my money is coming from, but I might be building a list or promoting something or doing a series to help promote an upcoming program or an intensive. So where is my money coming from each month and what am I marketing? So I compared those two things to the data that I pulled to say, did they line up? Was I making my money from the things that I had said that I was going to make my money from? Were they coming from the things that I had launched? Were they coming from unanticipated ways? Did something not do as well as I want? Were there months that were higher or lower? So I'm really looking at all of that financial data. I'm also kind of saying, am I on track for taxes? How's my bookkeeping coming? What are my expenses? Are they still serving me? Are there any expenses, any softwares or things that I'm paying for that I don't actually need? Is my profit margin, how's that going? Is that going okay, right? So I look at that and then, is there any money owed to me? Do I have overdue invoices that are still pending that aren't showing up in these reports necessarily? So where is any overdue money? Where is it lingering? How do I pull it into me? Is there any money that I still need to pay out, right? I really want to reconcile that and know exactly where I stand. So then as I'm looking at all of that, all the money and what I, where it was supposed to come from and where it did come from and what's still outstanding and how long has it been outstanding and all my bookkeeping and everything like that, I again ask myself, what worked well and what didn't and why? What's working well? What's not working well? What's my highest grossing service or product? What's my lowest? Is that about what I thought it would be? And I like from the money standpoint, yes. But then I also look at my labor and say, was this a good return? The money that I pulled in, is it going to be different if I launch this program again? So for example, I just launched a relatively new program. I mean, it is new, but it's built off the back of another program. The most important thing. Well, this go around the labor that I'm putting into this program is higher, meaning the return on the money that I'm receiving, right, that it, it's going to be a little lower. But next time I run the program, a lot of things are already going to be created and done. And so my ratio, when I do my analysis of return, it's going to be higher. So I look at everything like that. So I really have a bigger picture of 
all the things related to the data and sales. Then I look at my life and I kind of go back through. I look through emails. I look through my calendar. I don't know if you guys are like me and write down everything in your calendar, but I do. Like if I had a fight with Chuck, it's like, oh, fought with Chuck today. It's like a little mini diary. But I look and I'm like, okay, so what happened this year in my life, right? Good and bad. What opportunities came my way professionally and personally? What relationships were I creating or was I ending? What was happening in those relationships? What happened in the world? So for example, COVID-19 happened. And what situations did that create? Did I get sick? (laughs) Was I down and out for a couple of days? Did I lose my computer? Like the big things that kind of disrupt life can disrupt business. What happened? Because then I can sometimes correlate that when the numbers are off, when the sales are off and the data is off. But more importantly, it shows me, okay, these things through my business off its game. And some things like COVID-19, you couldn't really anticipate, but other things you can. Or even if like we can't anticipate something like COVID-19, now that it's happened, we can anticipate something else. Like we can anticipate something else that will create other situations where perhaps we're going to have to do a lot of our business building online or something like that so that we can have plans, mitigation plans, support systems in place to help minimize the disruption of our business when we get sick or when we have a fight with our husband or when we're forced to pivot our business strategy. We'll know who to go to, what to do, because we will already have planned for this, right? So that's why it's important to really look at your life and compare your life to the numbers that you see that were generated and created in your business. And then, of course, I sat down and it's like I'm asking myself, the one thing that's kind of the common thread, right, is looking at the stuff, but then asking what worked well, what didn't, why, what needs to be done differently, what can be done better, what needs to shift, and what needs to change. So that's kind of what I'm looking at as to what's already happened in the year. But then the retreat starts focusing on, okay, well, what does all of this mean for what's coming up? What are my numbers? And why did all of this happen? And and what's working and what's not? And why were things working? But now I need to look at how all of that information is going to help me in the second half of my year. So the first place that I start there is to dig into, well, what's coming up? on that marketing and launch calendar (laughs) that I created? What is it that I'm supposed to be offering? Where is my money coming from? What content topics and my content strategy do I have planned to talk about? What is my marketing strategy? Where have I pinpointed to build awareness in my business? And how am I showing up for that? You know me, I go all in on one way to generate awareness in my business. And then I kind of repurpose that to generate awareness in other ways. But then I look at great. After people become aware of me, no matter how they become aware of me, how am I nurturing that relationship? And so, as you all know, it's my free Facebook community. And so I look at that and say, how well am I showing up for that? How has that been doing? So I have to look at the metrics there, right? So the way that I generate awareness in my business is through speaking. So the metrics there are how many speaking opportunities came in front of me. And COVID-19 definitely impacted that. I had virtual speaking, but on the whole, it greatly impacted how many speaking opportunities were in front of me. And so that would explain, you know, a correlation often in the numbers. Now, it would normally, but because I was already measuring that metric and I saw, uh uh-oh, okay, when I have a lot of speaking opportunities, my revenue is high. 
And uh uh-oh, I'm not having a lot of speaking opportunities right now. So then I had to create my own speaking opportunities. And because I did that, I was able to still generate just as much revenue, if not more, for my business. But it's only because I was paying attention to that metric. Had I stopped paying attention, I may not have even noticed that something that indicates my success was being impacted. And likewise, with my group, right, the metrics that help me see, okay, I'm probably going to generate the revenue I want, is when my group is growing, when more members are growing, when it's engaged. So I look at all the metrics of how many posts are happening, how many new people are coming into the group, who is posting, who is showing up, who is participating, because I have all of that data, right? So that helps me measure those two things together, how many speaking engagements and then what's going on in my group help me predict how successful my business will be. So I need to be monitoring those metrics because if I notice something that is hurting or impacting in a negative way, those metrics, I'm able to course correct. I'm able to adjust in my business. So I had been monitoring those. And so I knew that I was on track most likely, right? Because it's not always 100%. But when those are doing well, my business does well. But I looked at that again and just wanted to make sure. So I looked at all those metrics, looked at those numbers, kind of looked at any monthly trends, anything that was going on like that. And then I did look at the things that I was selling, right? I have a sales process. I've talked about this before. If you don't have a sales process and you're wanting to explore that, let me know. And I don't mean like, here's the script that I use for sales calls. I mean, when I know, for example, that I'm going to be marketing the most important thing because I want people to sign up for that. I have a promotional schedule for that that starts sometimes two months before the program even opens for registration through the content that I talk about in the group into a live stream series or a list builder that I do to get a gauge on how interested people are to the polls and the market research type questions that I'm posting in the group to generate interest. So there's a whole thing that I do. If you want to talk about that, feel free. We can always schedule a call and I can I can help you talk about that in your business. But I do go to that and say, how did it go? Did the thing that I thought right would create interest in this ultimate program or in this intensive or in signing up with me as a private client, did it? Did it generate the interest I needed? Why or why not? Like, was it because nobody was interested? Or is it because, like, I didn't show up and talk about it enough or what was going on, right? So I kind of look at that. And then I can say, well, what do I need to do differently for what I am marketing in the upcoming months? Do I need to shift things around? Do I need to add a bigger promotional period? Do I need to do more promotion? Do I need to be more visible? Do I need to be visible in a different way? I can really analyze all of that from what had happened to help me set my upcoming six months. So that was the next thing that I did. So then I look at money, but from what's coming up. So I look at the differential. How much money did I want to create this year in 2020? And now I know how much I have generated in 2020. So what's the difference, right? What's the differential? And I had a pretty ambitious goal, or I still have a pretty ambitious goal for the revenue that I want to generate for 2020. And while I have generated more revenue so far this year than I did this time last year, I still need to generate double what I've already made in my business in order to close out the year where I want to be with my revenue. So then I could kind of look at that and instead of taking that and dividing it by the number of months and saying, okay, I'm just going to evenly generate revenue each month in order to meet that goal, I looked at my marketing calendar and said, okay, well, here, when all of my private client spots are full, here's how much money I generate from private clients. Here's who's, you know, leaving, 
here are how many spots I need to replace. But if I just assume, because it's completely and totally inevitable that this happens, right, that all of those spots are full, what's my private coaching revenue? And then I look at the mastermind group I run. I say, okay, there are 10 spots in that mastermind group. And I also operate from the assumption that all 10 spots will be full. And that's a six-month commitment. So then how much money will I generate from that? So then I can look and say, all right, from those two things, here's my monthly revenue. But then I also am launching a program in the fall. And I know that I have some intensives that I talk about. So then I can set my goals for that launch or for the intensives based on what's left to generate. So after the money I've generated in my business, plus the money that is pretty likely, right, uh, to be generated just from the normal offerings that I have, how much more do I need to generate to reach my ambitious goal? And then how will that break down from the other things that I'm offering, like launching a program or offering intensives? Is there something else I need to do? Am I making any money from passive income? Can I set goals for you know selling digital courses or anything like that to make sure that I am on track to reach my financial goal for the whole year? And so that's what I did, right? And that's where I was able to go, okay, like I see if I launch, and I, I will launch because it's going really well. I mean, it's going really well. The most important thing, I'm most likely, it's not 100%, most likely going to launch that again in the fall. And when I do, I now know how many registrants I want to have, how many participants in that program I want to have. I know how many intensive spots I have available and how many I want to fill. So that really helps me then break that down for the rest of the month. So then I have actions that I can put behind it to make those things happen. And then after I look at all of that, right, after I look at all of that now, everything that I've talked about so far, my next question is, well, what support do I need to make all of this happen? Here's what I want to have happen this second half of the year. Not just like, here's what I want to be marketing. Here's how much money I want to be making. But here's how, right? Because remember, I looked at what worked, what didn't, what strategies succeeded, what strategies maybe didn't go as well as I wanted. And so what does that mean in terms of increasing visibility or changing a promotional schedule? And so then it's, well, what do I need to make that happen? What support? What people what software systems, what resources, right, do I need to pull all of that together in my time, in my team? Like, what is it that I need? And I even go back through my power sheets. There's a um, a sheet that closes out the end of each month. And it asks, who are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? I go back through because the people and the things that I wrote down in those boxes are people that helped me already achieve the success I've achieved. And so I kind of want to remember them and say, these are people I want to continue to have around me for the rest of the year. It could be a good friend. It could be a family member. It could be a client. It could be somebody who motivates you or someone who specifically promotes you or a collaborator. But I want to remember it and say, how can I factor that in into the next six months? So that's the next thing I do. Really get clear on the support in terms of resources, maybe information, people that I need, right? systems, et cetera, processes that I need to make all of this happen, changes in my strategy and the people and the support that I need to back all of those changes up. And then I say, does anything have to be changed in my customer journey cycle, right? Like I told you that I generate awareness in my business through speaking, and then I nurture relationships through my Facebook group. So after I looked at the data, it's like, is that working well? Well, all in all, it is. But because of the world and the change because of COVID-19 and the fact that conferences and groups and speaking has not yet returned to in-person, it has not gone back to normal, it's like, okay, I have to pivot my strategy for more speaking 
for the second half of the year virtually. And so then I I got very clear on what that means, who I need to reach out to, and what I need to do. And then I also just tweaked very slightly my strategy for my Facebook group so that I can make sure that that is a community that continues to thrive, not just for me, but for everyone. Then I dig into my clients. I go through and I see who are the private clients that I worked with so far this year? Who are the private clients that are on tap for me to work with for the rest of the year? Are there contracts with me? Their time with me? Is it supposed to end at some point in the next six months? Do I think they're going to renew? Do I want them to renew? Is there anyone that I need to replace? Is there anyone that's still grandfathered and on a different rate? Like, is that somebody that it makes sense to continue to work with? Um, Do I need to bring in more private clients? Like, what is it that I really need to do? Do I enjoy my clients? Am I working with my ideal clients? Are there any client relationships that have become toxic, right? Same for my mastermind group. And then I look at who am I working with in my programs? Any programs or intensives that I had? How did they show up? Did they light me up? Did they drain my energy? Did I enjoy it? How had I attracted them? What had I done, right? Like in terms of strategy, so that I can make sure that I am surrounding myself with people who light me up because that's very important in your business, right? One factor about your ideal client is that they have to not drain your energy, right? That's why I'm not working with attorneys. I mean, I am an attorney. Don't get me wrong. And I love attorneys as a whole, but also as a whole, (laughs) I did not want to work with them in terms of growing their business. I knew it was not going to be the type of mindset or the type of feeling that I wanted to have working with somebody. So it's really important to take stock of your clients. I think all too often we just fall into autopilot or default and we don't sit and really examine not just who we're working with and if that's working for us, if that's serving us, are we serving them? Are we a good fit for them? Have they outgrown us and we haven't realized it and we need to encourage them to go for other support that may help them, for example, grow their life or business, right? We can just fall into autopilot. And so it's really important to look and take stock and say, what relationships do I need to continue? Which ones might I need to bring in? What do I need to do differently in terms of my clients? And so I dug in and got really clear about that. And one thing that I discovered is that I actually have capacity for 13 private clients. As you know, I've reduced my hours. I've gone down to working fewer hours, but with COVID-19, changing my schedule, changing the game, I have a little more bandwidth in my days to take on a few more private clients. So instead of 10 private clients a month, I actually feel pretty solid about being able to take 13, meaning I have three extra client spots that are opening up for the second half of the year because I really only had one that was becoming available before being fully booked with a waiting list, which was a really nice surprise. Like it was like, okay, like I actually can do this and feel good that I'm still gonna give time and energy and attention to my clients in the way that they needed to. And so then, because I got clear about the clients that light me up and, and most of them do and energize me and all of that, I was able to say, okay, these are the types of clients that I'm looking for for these three spots. I also then kind of look at people in terms of collaborations. What collaborations did I have this year? Who did I interview? Who interviewed me? Who had me on a panel? Who did I have as an expert in my group? Who did I do a program with? Who did I work as an affiliate with? Who did I maybe do a brand 
you know, advocacy kind of thing for, like I often do with power sheets or um, I had an ice cream company, right, contact me because I post about ice cream so freaking much. And they're like, would you like to, you know, talk about our ice cream? And I was like, do I get it for free? <laughs> they were like, yes. And I said, then yes, I would love to test your ice cream as long as I can talk about it honestly. But, you know, I look at that. What worked well? What fit? What didn't? What do I need more or less of in terms of collaborations going forward for the next year? And then how am I going to reach out to those people? What am I going to do? So I start setting action items for that. And then I end it on my mindset, my decisions and my intentions, knowing everything that I know about what I'm going to be marketing, what support that I need, who I'm going to be working with, right? what my schedule is going to look like and feel like now that I have all the data and I've turned it into action. Then it's what decisions and beliefs and mindsets do I need to have to know that this is all possible, to make sure this is all inevitable, right? So things like there's always enough time. That's a decision around time. There's always enough time. Maybe around money. It's I'm a money magnet. People love to work with me. People love to give me their money because they always know that they'll make more than they invest. Or people are excited to work with me. They know that I'm an excellent coach and my clients are incredible and they think that I'm incredible. Or whatever decisions or thoughts or beliefs you have to have, right? That there's an abundance, there's plenty of money, or everything is working for me, right? I'm just saying a lot of mine off the top of my head, right? Everything is working for me and putting me where I need to be. It's completely and totally inevitable that I become a seven-figure business owner, right? I write all of those beliefs, those mindsets, those decisions that I need to make and have a list and then I post it up in a really pretty artsy way so that I can look at it for the second half of the year so that I can remember. It's like my go-to. It's like when something happens and it feels like it's going to throw me off course, I go to that list and I say, oh yeah, no, I don't have to worry about that. Remember, like it doesn't matter that this crazy thing happened because everything always works out for me and it's putting me right where I need to be. And so I can just be grateful for that, right? So that's my reminder there. And that's how I close it out, right? It's not as in-depth, it's not as detailed as an end-of-the-year closeout. But this is what allows me to make any adjustments or pivots or changes in strategy or support, letting things go, bringing things in, changing, you know, with clients. And it's important because every quarter, every mid-year, <laughs> every end of the year, things can change in your business and they often do. This year, it just happened to be that there were a few more changes to everybody across the board. And this mid-year review, I think is, I mean, it's always really needed. I don't want to say that it's more needed this year than any other year because I think it's really needed every year. But this was really a defining moment to say, okay, pretend I had lost track of all of my goals, which would have been really easy to do. This is the time for me to go, I still control this and I can get back on track. And here's what that looks like. Here's what that feels like. So anyway, I hope that this helps you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me and let me know. And I am going to join you next week on another episode of the Read and Me Do It show when I bring to you a really exciting guest who has worked in a variety of capacities in the recording industry, in the music industry, in the entertainment industry. And I'm really excited for all of the lessons learned that will help you apply those to your business to really grow in the next six months. So I will see you next week on another episode of the Read and Mimi Do It show. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Read and Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. 
In fact, because I value your time so much, every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamamedoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.